Hello and welcome to Podcasters on Purpose. This is Debbie Adair, your host, and today I am so excited to share with you JJ Flizanes. JJ is a dear friend and she is an extraordinary podcaster. She's an empowerment strategist and the host of several podcast shows, including Fit to Love and Spirit, Purpose and Energy. She's the director of Invisible Fitness and Amazon bestselling author of Fit to Love, How to Get Physically emotionally and spiritually fit to attract the love of your life and author of knack absolute abs routines for fit and firm core she was named best personal trainer in los angeles for 2007 by elite traveler magazine and jj has been featured in many national magazines including shape fitness elegant bride and women's health as well as appeared on nbc cbs fox 11 the CW and KTLA. Her newest book, The Invisible Fitness Formula, Five Secrets to Release Weight and End Body Shame debuted at number two on the Amazon bestseller list for women's health. She is an extraordinary podcaster, a beautiful and a great friend, and I'm just delighted to have her on the show today. So welcome to the show, JJ. Thanks, Debbie. I'm happy to be here. Well, I, I'm really happy to have you here because you have such a unique way of doing podcasting. Um, and I kind of want to talk about how that started for you in transition because you have multiple shows. Uh, can we start there today and just talk about sure. your journey? Yeah. 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 Well, I have a lot of content uh, in my personal training and life coaching business. I started into the business through the avenue of exercise and nutrition to start, but the more that I learned about what sort of made up successful people's transformation, obviously, was going to go deeper than just the exercise and nutrition piece. So over the years, as I kept learning more, I kept wanting to share it. Unfortunately, I was attracting and in situations where my clients just wanted exercise and nutrition, they didn't want to talk about their emotions or their spirituality or their uh, how they process things or their childhood or their behaviors. They just really wanted someone to come in and exercise them and, you know, give them and shame them on eating or not eating the right things, which very quickly bored me because it wasn't true transformation. I didn't want to be a babysitter. That's never what I set out to do. And so over the years, I kept learning and implementing ideas on myself, on a few others who did want the coaching piece. And I just didn't have an outlet for it. You know, blogging while I have written three books, uh, writing is not something that necessarily brings me pleasure. So I'm a much better speaker. And I'm definitely, you know, using words all the time. And, and, uh, and I think on my feet, and I have an acting background. So being in front of an audience is very comfortable for me in all ways, shapes and forms. And, and I just my brain moves so fast that blogging was never fun. It was actually stressful for me to sit down and try to type out my ideas. I did do it for a little while. But it, again, I could never keep up with my brain, <laughs> my, my fingers. I'm not that great of a typist. So it wasn't until 2014 when I actually went to a book writing workshop conference to with another, like my fourth book idea or third book idea actually at the time. And I learned about podcasting. And I was telling a psychic that I work with in Ojai when I'd seen her on a, a trip just for the weekend, I thought I'd have a session. It'd be fun. And I told her I felt like a backed up hose. I have all these ideas, all this stuff I want to share, and I have nowhere to put it because my clients don't want to hear about it, some of them, and they'll accept it. So I have this vulnerability about being rejected. So when I learned about podcasting and the guy who was explaining it was someone who had a five-day-a-week show, I it just the light bulb hit and I thought, oh my God, I can just have a podcast. I can put it on a show and take each day of the week and make it each one of the different genres of ideas that I'm talking about from exercise, including exercise and nutrition, but moving on to alternative medicine and then the behavioral sciences and the psychology and then the spirituality and then moving into relationships and how we behave in relationships and how we sometimes carry those patterns and behaviors. And sometimes the relationships are the reasons why people are emotionally eating. So they're all, to me, they're all linked. And there wasn't, so when podcasting became part of my list, and I'd heard about it before, but I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand the power of it. And the guy that was speaking actually told us a story that he hadn't made any money doing it for the first two years. Now, by the time 
he was speaking to us on the stage, he was making a lot of money. And I thought it wasn't about the money as much as it was about the exploration of the content for me and about sharing the content and about having a place to archive all my ideas and teachings for the people that wanted it. I thought it was a really good way to not shove it down someone's throat who doesn't want it and to put it out there to attract the people who did want it. And that's why I started the Fit to Love podcast show. It was a five-day-a-week show. It included two videos on Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm sorry, it was six days a week. The six days a week, then the next four were audio, right? So Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. So there were, I had four <laughs> audio shots. It's been so long because <clears throat> I actually produced six shows a week for a very long time. And then I, then I'd average out about four. I didn't do every day, but I averaged four and I got down, I got done with two seasons and 350 shows in less than two years. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so I, so I had really a great framework. I had, what can you, what am I willing to do for no money (laughs) Uh, for like for no guarantee of money for two years? And, and it was about getting it as like art getting it out of me, putting it somewhere where I could then send my clients. Like that's the other thing. Working with someone, I don't want to repeat this story 10 times. I want to repeat it once. And then I want to say, hey, go listen to that show. I want to be efficient with my time. And podcasting became another way to disseminate information in a more efficient way for me. So that's how it started. That's brilliant. I love that. And I love how uh, natural and organic it is for you to find a place where you can share your creative outlet too. And also evergreenly serve your clients. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, For no money or view of money. (laughs) Um, For a little while, right? That's Right. Well, the goal wasn't do this forever for no money. The goal was find out what the niche is. Find out what people are responding to. I was a, you know, I was named best personal trainer in Los Angeles. Like I'm known for training. And so many people tried to keep me in the box of, well, you just, you're, you're, educations and training, just do training, just do training. I'm like, but that's not, I'm, that's one piece of it. Like I'm not even utilizing my talents and my skills and my gifts. And I need to, it, part of it was for me. And part of it was for my clients. Again, I wanted to get people up to speed and have a consultation with somebody for personal training. And, and of course I always start with the exercise and the nutrition part first, but I can tell just right away how much of this is also emotional. So I want to feed them with information along the way to start doing some of that inner work. And again, having a podcast, having things recorded and archived gave me a way to be more efficient and effective with my clients. So I didn't have to spend three months getting to know them or tell, you know, repeat the story 10 times. I could like get them all here, listen to these five shows in the next two weeks. And then let's get this work done for them. And it was good for me, but obviously it was also a way for me to market test my ideas and where I show up in the world and who, 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 like, what are people interested in from me? Is it that they just trust me with exercise because I understand science and I explain it in a very scientific way? Or will they accept some of these other ideas that I've been working with? And it, you know, it was in the first two years or first year and a half in the first two seasons, I, I was part of a podcast group where the, the leader was someone who very successful and developed products, programs, and services for the audience. And, you know, that sounds awesome and wonderful, but that's not the reality of how most podcasts survive. You don't normally get that big of a a crowd so quickly that you have the opportunity to utilize, you know, what they need. So when Fit to Love didn't do that for me, I had some sales. I had, you know, I was on Hay House Radio. I got lots of people who wrote to me and became listeners because of that. But it wasn't, it hadn't hit the mark yet. I felt like this is really good content. I mean, I was a fan of my own show like, because I, had, I was interviewing guests and people who had really great information that I loved. I loved my own show, not because I wanted to hear myself speak, but because I loved the content of what I was sharing. So when after you know two seasons and 350 shows, I thought something's not right. This isn't how, I can't keep this pace up and I haven't hit the mark yet because to me, I do a lot of law of attraction work other reason why I wanted to do podcasting is because it was about leverage. I believe that when you're in a niche that is your niche, the right thing for you, that there is an ease to attraction, that there is a effortlessness in a way that comes. Not that I'm saying you don't have to do anything, but it's the surfer riding the wave. You know, you're out there and as a surfer and you're waiting for the perfect wave. And when you catch it, you ride it. And there's a little effort to be had, but really there's the seamlessness of the wave and you together are one and it's taking you and you don't have to 
always put out so much effort, effort, effort. And I'm great with effort. I can produce anything, but it's not, but that idea is a lack of trust in the law of attraction. It's exactly the opposite of what I was teaching. So when I recognized that and I said, in what I'm talking about and now I'm, I'm looking for the wave. So fit to love did not accomplish the wave. So I had the hit and it's against other people. A lot of people said, just, you know, follow through, follow through, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you don't, if it's not working, you don't keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. It's, you're trying to tell you something. And so to me, I wasn't, I saw the, the opportunity to repackage the show. I have, I'm so specific in my keywords, in my, in my niche, in each one of these areas that one brand wasn't going to do justice to the content. So when I took a step back, it wasn't about starting six shows. It was about repackaging what I already had into six different shows. And so it was about rebranding. It wasn't about redoing. It was about rebranding. And that's exactly what I did. And I started out with the least, the show that had the least products, services, and expectation, <laughs> which was my Freedom Fridays. And Freedom Fridays was my spirituality day, law of attraction, astrology, numerology. It was like my fun day. It was literally my guilty pleasure. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start with that show. I'm just going to put it out there because I've got nothing to sell them. Nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was no expectation at all about that show. And I launched it in, that was probably October of 2016. And we're right now in January of 2019. And I'm pretty close to having a million downloads on that show. Wow. So that show took off and it built a list. It built a community. It's, it's put butts in the seats for three events. It's built puts butts in the seats for a mastermind I created. And it is what is fueling the next book. And I had no idea that I could step into this space, the power of what I wanted to have happen manifested with the show because I did not expect it. People responded to it in the exact way I wanted to be responded to. I just wasn't allowing myself to step into that expertise, so to speak. Like on my first event, there were 40 people in the room and 99% of them came from my show. They flew from all over the world to come to the event and we're fans. And it was awesome because it felt so validating, obviously. But, it, but I said to them, guys, I'm not an expert in law of attraction. And they all said, yes, you are. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I'm not claiming that because I don't know what college degree or, per I mean, who's going to deem that? Who's going to test that? Uh, but they all just said, no, you are. And we are, lives are changing and that's all we need to know. And I thought, okay. And so it has helped me step into a greater, bigger purpose that I wasn't allowing myself to do because I was looking for validation. So it's really been a life changer on so many levels. I think that's such a good point how a lot of times we get early on in podcasting, we can get paid and validation <laughs> downloads and right. Uh, I know for me personally that I was recognizing that I was like, ah, I think I want to convert this to dollars even more. Right. So um uh, talk a little bit about that rebrand process, if you would. So you've gotten to, uh, I think that's an extraordinary number of downloads. I mean, I, I think everyone would agree that that's a, a really large number of downloads. So how did that rebrand go? And would you be willing to share a little bit of that process? Sure. Well, that's just for spirit, purpose, and energy. I added up all the shows that I published. And about two months ago, I was at about 100,000, like 100, 105,000 downloads a month for mm -hmm. all the shows combined. And I was over 1.5 million at the time. But that was all of them combined. So I'm close to a million right now just for that one show. Wow. And that's what I'm, that's exciting because it's only for a very long time, I was only putting out one episode a week. And now I'm at two episodes a week, but it's, again, it's just fun to see the numbers because some people have a million downloads, but produce five days a week. So to have a million downloads with less than 150 shows when I only publish once or twice a week means I'm getting more downloads per episode. And, and for me, it's not about the downloads per episode because there are people with way more downloads than I do. And a lot of them are my friends. And what I've noticed is they don't have a community. So they have a lot of downloads because they have a lot of shows but they can't get their people to buy anything. They don't, they don't come to events and they, and they don't like respond. And I would rather have a smaller number of downloads with the, a greater percentage of people responding. And so for me, that is what's happening. So I'm very proud of my numbers, not because of 
I mean, there are people with, you know, millions of downloads, an episode, that is not me. <laughs> yeah. But, but again, it's about the conversion. So I have a higher conversion. Have I think my show makes a bigger sort of life impact than, than some other shows that people listen to for entertainment or whatever. And my goal has always been and to help people get out of scarcity and, and victimhood and feel free and feel alive and feel passionate and feel happy and joy. And so that's, for me, I know that I'm accomplishing that because people are buying, they're coming, they're signing up for, they're part of the community. And I'm, I'm, I don't need to have a high download. I prefer a high conversion. So the rest of the shows are very interesting because the next most popular show from the rebrand was my relationship show, which at the time was my Sexy Saturdays. And Sexy Saturdays became Women, Men, and Relationships. And it's been interesting because even this last event that I just had, I asked people, how many of you are here because you listen to Spirit, Purpose, and Energy? And they all raised their hands, but I said, how many of you started with Spirit, Purpose, and Energy? And only half of them raised their hands. So a lot of people found me through women, men, and relationships, but then because they listened to the show, heard that I did another show called Spirit, Purpose, and Energy, and now they listen to like three or four of my shows. So I have fans across the board that download all of them because they don't want to miss anything. And I don't have brand new content all the, I have brand new content every week, but I don't always, like let's say for women, men, and relationships, uh, my partner and I, which you all know, Doug Sandler, Doug Sandler, new partner, uh, life-changing thing went happened there. Uh, he <laughs> is now the co-host once a week on women, men, and relationships. And since he and I have been co-hosting together once a week, and that show only gets published on women, men, and relationships, uh, our numbers have doubled. So, you know, yeah. adding him to the show has been really fun. It adds a new element. We invite people from listen to his show who've been hearing about me uh, over to listen to he and I talk and, and people really love the balance that we provide. So, so it, I, part of the Brie brand, again, is still a test. And that's what I tell entrepreneurs and anyone that wants to start a business that what I did incorrectly and what I think hurts a lot of people is that they go in so sure that their product or service is going to be a hit and that it's what people need. It's what people are going to buy because they're super excited about it. But the problem is you don't know that. You have to test it. So I have learned over the years of being an entrepreneur for 18 years, almost 19 now, that you test everything. Go into everything as if it's a test and then learn what you can and then course correct and continue. So to me, the rebrand is a test which podcast is the most popular? Where do people want me? And currently, uh, Spirit, Purpose, Energy, and Women, Men, and Relationships are the top two. Now, I still have one more in the mix that I haven't even released yet. And I'm getting ready to, uh, you know, and then I have a brand new show that I'm doing that I haven't released yet either. So part of it is, it's not about JJ having 20 shows. It's about finding the ones that work and then and testing it and then just market testing like you would any product you were selling. And then you invest in the ones that work and the ones that convert. So I will probably always keep Fit to Love there because it served a purpose of, of starting this and it has the most amount of episodes on it and people can you know always find me some way. It's just like having more routes to find you, right? So to me, it's, it's a, it, podcasting is such a great opportunity and such an inexpensive way to test your idea and to test a brand because you aren't losing anything. You have the content. You can always just rebrand it and repurpose it. So I think to me, it's an open market of fun ways to test your ideas and that people get too attached to their brand as like, oh my God, well, I can't change it. Sure you can. You could just do it again in another way. You don't have to get rid of your show. Just start a new one and see if it, if it takes off any better than the one that you have is. So when you added your new shows, did you then <clears throat> just talk about the new show from your other show and then created the new brand? Or what was that process for you when you added the new brands on? Well, you have to, I recorded my episode zero for all of them. And I mentioned in those. So, so the other key is that I didn't make a website for each one of the shows. I don't have a social media channel for each one of the shows, it all leads back to either fittolove.tv or jjflazanes.com. And currently, it all leads back to jjflazanes.com. So, ways to reach the same. They all point to the same direction. I'm not having to be overwhelmed with, oh my God, I have to make a website. I have to have a business card. I have to, no, <laughs> because it's a test. It's just a marketing tool. So, when I, when I started each show, I would mention 
welcome to whatever the show is and here's my story. And I'd say for more information, go to jjflazanes.com forward slash podcasts or, or whatever. And I'd say I'm also the host of, and I, and I tell a, an abbreviated version of this story that I, I've been doing the Fit to Love podcast show. It's a six day a week audio and video show and it covers all this. And from that, this show was born. So every, every new branded show's got that story in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, and then again, if whatever episode that I'm doing on each channel will again, redirect people back to at this point, jjflazanes.com is the hub. So yeah. Beautiful. And I mention it. I mean, I do talk about, cause I'll do a lot of solo shows and I'll talk about each one of the shows. Like I'll talk about spirit, purpose, and energy. Like I'll do a Q and a, and I'll say this and I'll, so they know, everybody knows that. And then I've, I took the, when Doug came on, it was episode 55 was his first episode on women, men, and relationships. And I did publish that on all the channels to say, hey, if you want to hear some interesting, you know, male and female back and forth in a relationship, now he's a co-host once a week. So come on, listen to, you know, so I, I promote my other shows on my other shows. And so that's how people then click in. And it definitely helps my downloads because once I have someone who likes my content, they want to get all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, who wouldn't want all your content? You're amazing. And you are definitely a master of law of attraction. If anyone's listening and interested, you should definitely <laughs> talk to JJ. <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. <laughs> so, um, so basically, how do you integrate that show into building community? Because you have a big gift, obviously, for taking this and then building community around it. And then also um, filling your retreats with it, which I think a lot of people love to know how to do. So what are some of the ways that you do that? Again, the the benefit of of treating this as as an experiment or a test is you have to, depending on your message and your passion around your message, I don't think I could have filled a room full of people with just exercise and weight loss because my passion around the subject by itself now is so less compared to this energetic work that I've been doing. Is it important? Yeah. In fact, at the last retreat, I totally forgot to talk about it. And then the last day I'm like, oh, I should probably explain exercise. <laughs> so, and I'm in the middle of explaining it. And Lisa Thomas is in the back of the room and she just says out loud, you're so good at what you do because, because the amount of information I have, I've been a personal trainer for 20 years is I'm very scientific. I'm very good at that, but, but that's one piece of, of all of it. And it doesn't light me up. It does light me up when I get to talk about it, but it isn't going to sustain me for a three day weekend. And so I created my events out of, I could feel the need for community. I could feel the need for transformation. I could feel the need to actually do the work that we talk about. You know, the, the great thing about podcasting is you can consume it anywhere. The downside about podcasting, like a book, is that if you're not actually living it or taking these ideas and changing the way that you live, it's just information. And I wanted to give people a platform, a space, and an opportunity to take the work that I talk about, take the work that I'm doing on myself, that I'm sharing about, the work that people are doing with their clients and to come on the show. I wanted to take that and have them do it because most people don't. Most people do not take the time to actually process their feelings or, or work through a situation because they've got kids, they've got, a, you know, they've got a full-time job, they're busy, and they don't understand the value of doing that until they're really freaking unhappy or until they're at a crossroads. And I believe that doing things in person like this, are it's not a luxury, it's a freaking necessity if you want to actually have a happy life, a happy and healthy body, and you want to feel on purpose in this world. Because when you put a lot of people in the same room of like-mindedness, especially in my community, because we're talking about law of attraction and energy and spirituality and for, and, you know, you don't talk like that. I mean, you do. You talk like that with your family because that's what the family that you come from. But most of us, we can't talk like this with our families. We don't have an outlet unless you go to an agape like we do, or you go to, we find a church or a meetup or something, a meditation group or something where that you have the same ideas. Most people are secretly searching for information. So I, again, I hit, I found a niche. I found a niche of need. And the need was people want to have community, not feel so alone in the world, want to have, talk about these ideas and implement these ideas. And then the idea to put it all together came out the kinds of feedback I would get. I mean, I get fan mail every week. I get really heartfelt, thank you, your show has changed my life, fan mail every week. 
well, after a while, I'm like, let's put these people in a room. Let's get them together. Let's get the ones that hear the podcast and want to do something and make it a retreat. And it wasn't, you know, there are ways as a business owner that you market your stuff. And the first retreat, I marketed it in multiple ways. I did the podcast. I, you know, did, I had a, a managing person who helped me with my joint ventures. So I had people sending out for me to affiliate lists and stuff. I did emails. I did, I don't know if I did any ads, but I did Twitter. I did all social media stuff. I was all over the place marketing that. I was bringing clients that I work with in person into the event. So I was all over the place with that first uh, event. And while it was successful, what I recognized was the most, the most transformation and ease happened with the people who came from the show. And then by the second and third event, I had made a decision just for me. I don't want to market to other people. This is not, this is not, I don't do the event while I want to make money. And while I have it, that's not the point for me. It's, it's, <laughs> yes, I will make money and I will pay to make more money and more efficiently and help and serve people at the same time. But that my goal isn't, I need a big payday. Let me put on an event. So because of that, the quality of the people in the room, what I've noticed is that this last event, 100%, well, 99.9%, there were two people in the room that did not listen to my show, but everybody else had come direct from listening to the podcast. The amount of transformation that happened was amazing because they were ready to let it go. They were ready. They were geared up. They were primed. And I can't do that with people who aren't kind of on the path with me. So I think, you know, when you're looking at your message, when you, you, know, you want to put on an event, Part of the reason why I think I'm successful with spirit, purpose, and energy and, and attracting these people is because I'm passionate about it. And I, unlike in my personal training business, can sell the shit out of it. I, am, I mean, I am literally, because it's not selling. Like, it's, I, I feel these people. I get it. I know what they want. And I'm begging them to take it. I'm begging them to step up and do what you say that you want. Come meet other people. Join this community. Get this work done. Leave your burdens at the door. We can help you. I'm so passionate and positive about the kinds of transformation that could happen that to me, it's not really selling. It's an invitation. Now, if someone who doesn't listen to my show normally would hear a few of those episodes while selling it, they may be like, wow, she's really selling this hard. But it hasn't turned people off that I know of. My numbers keep growing and people keep showing up because I'm not doing it from a financial point of view. I'm doing it from a service to humanity and a service to people. So I think you have to really align your message and your passion with what you're providing for people. And that's when you hit that magic sweet spot. When you inviting them to an event isn't about the dollars in your bank account, but about their transformation and about their life changing. And then it becomes easy. And then, you know, because I, I know a lot of people like, so we met at, uh, at New Media Summit and Steve Ulsher does a great job of explaining a seven point system to market events and services. And after hearing it three times at the last one, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that. I like the way that I'm doing it. I like that I'm doing it only on my podcast, which might mean I have smaller numbers and I'm okay with that because I've already invited and marketed to people who don't listen to my show and their energy is different. When they get into that room, they don't trust me yet. And when people come in from my podcast, they already trust me. So it's a whole different energy. And so I'm fine with that. So I've made peace with that my event was a little bit smaller than it could have been had I done more marketing. So you just have to decide for you, know, for you what's important to you. And is it about the money as well as the service? Is it, you know, if you have a really strong following in social media and maybe they do know you like I think my my podcast listeners know me better than anybody on social media so you know people that I know in my neighborhood or in my networking groups in the past or like those people think they know me but they don't because they don't listen to my show so so that's how I have found success with it and I definitely think when you align your passion and your purpose and your service to others you can get clarity and, you, and again, still test it. I'm still testing. I'm testing price points. I'm testing how, you know, it only took me 12 weeks to fill the first event. So I was thinking, you know, by September's event last year, I thought, oh, I have plenty of time. But I worked really hard to try to fill that event. And I'm like, what, what's the problem? It only took 12 weeks to fill January's event, you know, on the podcast because I thought about it in September and I started talking about it in October and by December, by January, I had an event. So mm. I think this whole, you know, entrepreneurial podcasting journey is a constant learning, testing and, and expanding. 
Completely agreed. And I just think that is so beautiful that you truly, you bring your mission all the way through, like your mission, your passion, like your show is completely aligned with your retreats. Like there's, it's all built together. It's not like, oh, I have a podcast and then I have a business. You know, I love the integration piece that you have uh, with everything that you're doing and that it's coming from that soulful place. I think that's really beautiful. Um, would, what would you say? I know you do things a little bit differently um, with the way that you're doing, obviously, the filling of your show. Would you say that then it is the email link and the announcing it on your show is how you're bringing them directly into your retreat? Or is there something else that you're adding into the mix that, that's there as well? No, I'm I'm literally just telling them to go to forward slash next big step or releasing com. I'm sending them directly to the event page. I, while I think, well, I know that I've got a couple funnels that work to bring them to the event page. I don't know that those, those funnels are converting. That's kind of what I'm going to be working on the next couple of months now that I have some space <laughs> to like actually look <laughs> at these things. So um, I, yeah, I just send them directly to the page. I mean, I, my price increased three times and I still had a pretty good crowd this last time. But which, you know, again, I'm sort of testing out and uh, I cooked for the last event, which I'm never going to do again, even though. Oh, it's so yummy uh, though when you cook. Me and, oh, oh, oh yeah. No, they loved it. They appreciated it. There was no doubt. I mean, I got a lot of compliments on that and I think it really helped them feel nurtured mm-hmm. because I, you know, took care of every single meal. I could tell them what was in it. They knew everything was organic and I made vegan options for my one vegan. After I worked so hard, I'm like, who else is vegan besides Savannah? And like, nobody. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, I could have made less quinoa salad because uh, I'm not going to eat it later because I don't eat that. But um, yeah, it just it's just a learning and I appreciate the acknowledgement that it is, it is a a holistic approach for me and it is it is integrated into my business and it isn't that my business is separate and i think again it's going to be different for everybody but for me because i'm a you know, my soul gifts if you will i'm a right so this whole talking thing is like is part of what i do it and for a sec you're a what you're a messenger messenger okay <laughs> yeah being a man this talking thing is you know part of it and in the podcast, like I can get into a zone answering questions from people in the manifestation challenge group. You know, it's going to be a Q&A day. What questions do you have? And then, or I'll, or I had somebody text me the other day and say, hey, can you do a show on this? And here's the question. So I, it, I get into a zone and people really enjoy it. Again, I'm just, it's just, it's having a relationship with your audience. And, and it's really fun, especially when they're communicative and trying to figure that out. So it's not the right model for everybody. But definitely, if you're a purpose-driven entrepreneur with a message and you are a messenger and you want to co-create with your audience uh, and your message is strong and your passion is, is also strong, you know, it's absolutely about finding just the right wave. <laughs> you're going to catch in the right wave and then, and then it's going to get easier. Do, now, do you do any traditional sponsorships or any kind of sponsorships other than, you know, kind of just driving this into your, your retreats and your offerings? Do I pay for sponsors or do I have sponsors? Do you have sponsors pay you to be on the show? Because you always have a very large audience. I'm just curious if you take advantage of that or if you kind of keep it just in line with your business. I have had sponsors and I've had sponsors at the events who then get on the show and that works well. And I've, but I've been partnering for sponsorships with um, people whose products and service I promote and again, they spoke at the event and I, I, I believe in their products and services. I'm not looking for traditional sponsors at this time. It's like, I, again, I want to attract the right kinds of sponsors. So my next event won't have any sponsors, but the next kinds of sponsors that I will have will, again, be in alignment with the message of the podcast. So for instance, one of the sponsors did a show. She's done two shows and now she's going to do her third. So third show, cause she sponsored my show twice, my events. And, um, and I get a pretty good, when you give away a really good gift, um, you know, I think the average is like 75 to 150 emails you'll get from my list, uh, from my show, if you have a really good offering and the conversion of that into sales is really up to your funnel or your process after that. But my people respond. I, in fact, I had a person on the show that we both know and love and she did a, a, a test and she emails me every six months and says, your people are still emailing me. <laughs> like, like, like someone here 
find it and they take the test and they write to her and they thank her for the clarity that they found through the show. So again, I, I'm attracting really um, responsive people. And to me, that's very valuable. At this point, while in the beginning, was interested in doing traditional sponsorships, the pressure of having to produce the sales for them on the back end, is it really worth the $750 or $1,500 or $2,000? I don't know because it puts too much stress on me. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I'm going to be looking at that model as my shows continue to grow and work with sponsors in a different way because I really I want to make sure that that my people will respond well, basically. I want to know that I'm going to respond well, therefore you're going to get a good return on your investment and that you understand the longevity of this investment. That's not just about what happens in the first 30 days. People find my show and then binge listen. Somebody wrote to me to last week during my event that she just found the show four days before that and she was on episode 27 and she was binge listening because she was getting so much clarity out of it. And that that's what happens. So you have to look at the long term, the evergreen part and that back catalog because people will listen. And so it's, you know, I need to find sponsors who understand that, not people who are just looking at, you know, the return in, in the next week to two weeks because that's, that's not, you have to understand podcasting, right, to be, to really work well with, I think, a show. That's great. I love that. For you, you having so many different topics that you're talking on going late. Now, obviously, you're someone who naturally kind of pulls through and has a ton to say because you were a messenger. What would you say to someone who is wanting to make sure that they have that kind of content? Or how, how do you do that? How do you structure all of the different content that you share? Do you do more of a free flow where you get on and you just pick a topic and talk? Do you do like a bullet point? Do you like, how do you know what you're going to speak about? And how do you structure it to have that level of content every week? Well, part of who I am, again, and why I needed psychologically, mentally, emotionally to podcast was because I needed an outlet for all my ideas and creative need for expression. So I'm an idea minute person. Like I come up with, I just, I'm flowing all the time. (laughs) It's never ending. And I needed somewhere to put it. So that way I was an open channel and not that all of it is good or all of it's going to continue or all of it is something to act upon, but at least having a show gives me an outlet to try it out and see how people respond to it. So when it comes to, I knew I could hold a show for myself by myself. In fact, when I did Fit to Love and there were times where I didn't have a guest, I would do a solo show. And how I, because it's a holistic mind, body, soul kind of show, I would utilize life. So, you know, I mean, how many times a day do you see an opportunity for a teaching moment or in a moment to share something that you've just learned and to go have an aha moment? So I utilize my aha moments or things with my clients or things in my life to work it out. And I work it out on my show. And because I'm working it out, and actually the other reason that, honestly, I started the six days a week and who I had in mind was my soon-to-be ex-husband. And one day, hopefully, he'll understand that. I think when I said that to him, like last year, he thought I was trying to, like, I don't know, put myself on a pedestal or make it sound like grandiose. But it was true that I literally did most of the show for him. It was a way to teach somebody who wasn't wanting to hear it from you through other people. So my passion, my topics were very self-motivated by what I felt I needed to teach others in my life, whether it be my clients, my husband at the time, or friends or family members. Like I just saw patterns and I'm like, okay, how can I get them? I can't teach this to them, but let me bring on someone else who they might listen to. And how do I learn more about this one topic? So if you're someone who does have a lot to say, then you'll have no problem filling a show. And I think uh, if you have a strong audience in any way, whether it be on Twitter, on Facebook, or an email list, ask them. Ask them what they want to know about. I take, I run a free 30-day manifestation challenge. The next one is in March. And I take that 30-day process and I could extract at least five shows every month because people are asking me questions. So rather than just answer the question in the Facebook group for these people, I answer it on a podcast. And it's great because they get the answer they want and everyone else who's listening also gets this Q&A and they may learn something too. So I think that utilizing your audience to ask questions is a great way to come up with content and bullet points in a structure. And And then, of course, you know, just aligning yourself with people. If you aren't that person, but you're curious, utilizing that curiosity to find guests, to ask other podcasters, which I asked you and some other people, you know, here's who I'm looking for 
in a big way just for spirit, purpose, and energy. I want to I want to attract more people into that show, but I want the right people. And I don't want to advertise and I don't want to just tweet about it. I want to attract the right people. So that means I want to be on shows that people are talking about spirituality and law of attraction and astrology. And, and so that's very specific. So I would say, you know, find your guests uh, based on the, the audience and the content you want to. I mean, there's never there's an unlimited amount of guests. I'm turning people away all the time. And once you get involved in something like New Media Summit or even Podcast Movement or PodFest, I mean, you can, you know, hook up with a PR agency. You can put your show on the list for people who are publicists to find you and you will be inundated with <laughs> guests upon guests upon guests. But I am loving the position I'm in right now. I mean, I'm starting to feel like Oprah, where I'm not putting everybody on. You have to have something of benefit to me. I don't need content for most of my shows. So, because <laughs> I, have, I have relationships with people. That's the other thing, that I bring on people multiple times. Jeannie Peters has been on my show more than anybody because she's a wealth of knowledge in nutrition, but not just nutrition. She, puts, she can put in homeopathy, flower essences, essential oils, gardening things, things about the earth and about soil and about hormones. She is a complete, why would I need five different guests when I can build, an audi- like build trust with my audience about this one person who I love to death and I think is an amazing teacher and disseminator of information? So, you know, don't, don't be so strict about how you do your show. I know some people are like, oh my God, I need, I always need a new guest. No, you don't. Find five guests you love and just have them on your show or five of your friends that you love to talk to and have them on the show. It's your show. You can do Make up the rules that fit your life, your business and what you, what turns you on. Don't think you have to follow someone else's footsteps. Just out of curiosity for the people who do have big shows that get a lot of requests. (laughs) How, do you have a way of managing that flow of or flood or do you, do you find that you just don't answer them all or do you have like a process you put them through and then they get I, put on a list or? Yeah, I offer them the opportunity to sponsor the show. Hmm. So basically I have a, a form sheet that I send out thanking them for their interest, telling them that I don't basically don't need guests, but if they wanted to sponsor the show, then they, I would consider them. They're not, they would have to pay a fee to sponsor the show, but if they weren't the right kind of guest, their fee would be reimbursed. So they have an opportunity and I've actually gotten a few really good guests from that who have paid to be on the show that I otherwise wouldn't have known about, but had really great content. So you know, I'm open, but I'm going to start charging to be on the show for people I don't know and people who are don't have something to offer. They don't have a big list or a big audience or a big following, but they have really great content. Um, I'll probably get to the place where I'm charging, maybe not everybody, but it's, you know, because again, now that I have a responsive audience, to me, I'm more valuable and I don't want to just put anybody in front of my audience. They trust me. So I want to vet you a little bit more. And also you are going to get value out of my audience. So I'm just trying to figure out if you've got a million and you're going to tweet the show, maybe I'll put you on for free. But if you're someone who just has, you know, it's just, just what happens. Like there's, it has to be an exchange. Good for me. Good for you. Uh, if you're my best friend, I might put you on, you know what I mean? Like I might help <laughs> try to help you. I now have more power in a way because I have more influence because I have a responsive audience that trusts me. So now this is not just about business. This is about a trust in a deeper level. And I'm only going to bring on people who I think are truly beneficial. They're going to be vetted a little bit more than maybe in the past because I want to make sure my audience is trusting who I bring on. Beautiful. I love that. Um, And I know you don't do show notes, which I think is fantastic. Like you've just found a way to really streamline it. I could talk to you all day about all sorts of tips that you have. (laughs) I'd like to leave it mostly today with just your, some of your gifts and, you know, you're talking about having things in flow. So can you talk a little bit about living in flow and how, how a podcaster would get into that place? That's a great question. So flow for me is about law of attraction it's about getting into alignment with who you are and what you want. And to dumb that down even further, it's about getting into a good feeling place and however you get there. Although I wouldn't recommend doing drugs uh, or some <laughs> kind of substance to get there because then that's a crutch, but actually being able to focus on thoughts and ideas and visualizing a future, visualizing a present that really lights you up and feeling on purpose, get into a flow. That is when you get to tap into creative ideas. You know, I have a a friend and a a client and she's also a hairdresser of mine. 
she has been on the fence for a long time about her business and what the next step is for her. And there is definitely a surrender that I think people need to take to allow the creative process to happen, allow source, allow whatever you consider your higher power or non-physical energies that have passed on to whisper in your ear the right answer to something. I mean, we have so much support that we don't utilize because we think we have to do it ourselves. So when it gets to the flow, that can come in different ways for different people. Some people find flow in meditation and some people find flow. I know I used to get answers to my questions when I'd be rollerblading near the beach listening to music. So my conscious brain is busy and my body's busy. So somehow it opened up this channel in the middle of my unconscious mind to allow ideas to come in that I wasn't searching for. So however you find your flow, it's about trusting your intuition. It's about honing your intuition. And it's about taking a chance if you believe in something greater than yourself, about taking that chance that you're co-creating all the time and your ideas may be great, but there's also a confirmation that you can get from the universe or from God or from source. And I usually don't act until I, I mean, I'll, I'll take, I'll use inspired action. And I think that's a really distinguishing factor of how I teach things versus how a lot of business people teach things. I'm sure you probably teach them like I teach them because of the mm -hmm. spiritual alignment there. But a lot of people are want just people to act, just get an action, just get an action, just do something. And the problem with just doing something is it's normally fueled by anxiety and a lack of trust and an idea that if I don't do something, something bad will happen or I won't have enough money. And the, when you fuel your actions that way, you're, you're setting up a cycle of anxiety and of being the producer and forcing things to happen that don't allow the flow to happen. You know, I believe in we live in an abundant universe. That's what law of attraction is about. There is a well, well stream, well, a stream of well-being that is, and we're either connected to it or disconnected to it. And once you connect to it, you allow ideas and impulses to show up, and then you have to trust follow them and you see where they go. And it's magic when you're in that space because it may take you down a path you've never thought of before, but that's the practice. And again, for me, I went against everybody else's ideas about what I should do when I rebranded. Some people thought, oh, you're giving up too soon. I thought, I'm not giving up. I had a really strong hit that I needed and it felt really good when I thought about it. I thought, oh my God, this is a great idea. I wasn't going to recreate. I never would have started podcasting with six shows. Who the hell would do that? <laughs> it's crazy insane, which is why most of you look at me and think, "What? you're an idiot. Like, what's going on with you? Are you addicted to podcasting? <laughs> uh, no, I, it happened the exact way it had to happen. It had to be that I started one show six days a week that later I could repurpose the content into six different shows. It was easy, but I never in a million years would have started one, like six different shows. So my process has been led by me following my impulse, following my ideas, testing them out, not being attached to them, and allowing things to shift in a way that is the right thing for me. So you have to know how you get into flow. And again, it could be dancing. I think a lot of times for people, if you're a left brain strategic person, which you might be because this is on a business show, then you need more right brain activities, more dancing, more music, more creative expression, painting, uh, cooking, something where you're getting out of your head and you're, you're getting into a, in a frequency that allows you to have those ideas. And if you're someone who's more right brain because you're a fan of Debbie and I and you're all spiritual and mushy gushy uh, woo woo in your emotions, that's great. But sometimes you need structure. You need structure to pin you down so that you can feel and, and follow those impulses in a in a, in a smarter way that doesn't actually, it's not so ADD and all over the place and you never have completion. So, you know, you really have to and find how you feel great and do that and do that more often and trust the process. Beautiful. I love that. And flow is a beautiful place to be. So um, everyone listen to what she just said. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could leave the podcaster listening in with, um, or podcaster in the making listening in with one piece of advice uh, of something that, you know, you would see for them on their journey of podcasting, what would it be? Podcasting is probably one of the easiest, least expensive tools to test your ideas 
and your and who you attract. It's just a great tool and marketing piece to to really give you information. And I think if you can approach it like that, I know you might be really excited about your brand or about your show or about the products you want to sell, but leave some space for testing. Leave some space for information gathering so that you can, again, co-create in a bigger way to take you down a path you may never have even considered, but might be more powerful and more successful for you. So don't get so tight about how it has to be delivered. Allow yourself to utilize this medium to learn and to test things out. And if it, it first, you have to stay the path, you have to stay the course. Uh, don't pod fade. <laughs> no. But don't, don't think that, you know, but it's going to teach you. If you pod fade, then it'll teach you that you're looking for instant gratification. That's when I go back to what's your mission? What is your mission? Is this the right avenue for you? Are you someone with a strong enough message that you'll do it even if you don't get paid for it? That was a determining factor for me. What can I do for two years without getting paid anything? And I thought, I need this outlet for my own sanity. So really look into what it is. It's the process. It's an organic process. And it isn't overnight. So no matter what success podcaster you've, you've talked to, some make money right away and some don't. Depends on why you're going into it. But there are, there are strategies for all those different ways. And, uh, and be open to being guided into a different way and into a different whatever. And allow yourself to take the ride not knowing where it may end up and just enjoy the process along the way. Beautiful. I love that. And if the listener uh, would like to get more of you and your podcast and your work and your retreats, where would they go? JJFlizanes.com. J-J-F-L-I-Z-A-N-E-S.com. Awesome. JJ, you are such an extraordinary soul, super soul, in fact. And uh, I just so appreciate you and you sharing all of your wisdom on the show today. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for me, Debbie. It was super fun. Awesome. If you're new or returning to this show and have not yet subscribed, please subscribe to receive the latest episodes as they're released. And if you love what you heard today, we'd love a great review too. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Podcasters on Purpose. Hey there, have you ever thought about creating your own podcast? If so, I'd love to support you with giving you a free guide on how you can create your studio and setup for your podcast. If you'd be interested in learning more about the microphone that I use, the headset that I use, the software that I use <laughs> to do these shows, I'd love to share that with you. You can go on over to podcastingonpurpose.com.